Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everybody, this is Lou Nash. And this is Ella Gordon-Latty. And together we welcome you to the redesign of everything. Where we will be talking to the global changemakers, the designers and the practitioners who are helping to redesign a better future for us all. We'll be giving you not only the inspiration, but also the tools to redesign your world for the better. Design is the single most important force in building a thriving future for us all. A future that's more regenerative, more resilient and more circular by design. So let's share these stories and insights gleaned from our guests at the front line of this transformation. Thank you for being here and for listening, because together we really can redesign everything. Joining us today is Wesley Spindler talking about the redesign of everything. Wesley is a strategist with not only a huge passion for sustainability and purposeful business, but also a global expert. She is currently a sustainability strategy director within Accenture, a company that is driven to create global and lasting change. As Accenture's global circular economy lead, she drives circular programs around the globe with partners and companies across various industries. It is fair to say that her expertise in the circular economy is second to none. She co-authored the book, The Circular Economy Handbook, which asks questions like, can we align global production and consumption systems with sustainability? Can business growth actually lead to a healthier planet? And can companies innovate through the circular economy to create a competitive advantage and genuine impact? We're going to answer these questions and more. Wesley, it's an absolute honour to have you with us today on the redesign of everything. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So, Wesley, at the start of each interview, we like to ask ask our guests what actually does the redesign of everything mean to you? I think there are really a number of misconceptions around the concept of circular economy. Perhaps the most fundamental being there exists the misbelief that achieving circularity is really synonymous with implementing you know, say, effective waste management or recycling systems, so really recycling 2.0. The reality is, of course, it's a lot more complex than this, and designing for circularity is not just designing to close the loop, but designing the loop itself. So for me, when I think about the redesign of everything, it really captures the holistic perspective that we must adopt um, as we really reevaluate existing and failing linear systems, which are not fit for purpose for developing a sustainable future for all. I really believe that transitioning to circular economy models demands systematic transformation. And as with all changes of such magnitude, it won't be instant, nor it will be perfect. It'll be a gradual process of revisiting, reassessing, and redesigning the foundations of everything that we've, we've built until now in order to create a regenerative circular system which can sustain and serve our changing social, environmental, and economic needs. So that's how I would position it in the the context of circularity. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it is a big question. It's really interesting just to touch straight away on that distinction you make between you need to design the loop itself. And I think that, you know, we've definitely found that in our work today. And I think that shows up for a lot of people, you know, they go to design the thing, but not design the system that needs to operate around that that product, if you like. 
Absolutely. Yeah, the word holistic, I think, is is really important in the the context of circularity. Mm. And I know in your role as a censure, there is inherently, you know, a client-facing element to that. And I think that's something really interesting when dealing with companies that want to become circular, quote unquote, and it is a very kind of hot word at the moment. But pulling out that definition for different businesses is really interesting as well. And so we'd love to know, you know, in your role as a sustainability strategy director at Accenture, can you give us kind of an overview of of what your responsibilities are and and what clients you work with to achieve that? Sure. So, yeah, I feel really lucky in in my role at Accenture. So Accenture is obviously a a pretty massive global company. Maybe that's an understatement. We have we have over half a million people worldwide. Wow! And <laughs> which surprises people, surprises even me, because it, it doesn't often feel that way. But what I do and what I'm lucky enough to do every day is to help companies, you know, solve some of their most pressing environmental and, and social challenges. So working with some of the biggest businesses in the world in a really impactful space to be able to help them transition to more uh, responsible businesses, more responsible technology, more responsible value chains, uh, and, and all sorts of activities that, that go um, around and, and beneath that. And so I guess in, a, in addition to that day-to-day you know, work that I do with clients around the globe, you know, we do um, our sustainability team in Accenture operates very globally I also um, partner with, with a number of different ecosystem initiatives. I do a lot of work in thought leadership, like the, the handbook. I never thought I would write a book as a, <laughs> as a consultant, but, but here I am. So it's, it's really multidimensional, and it's, it's a really fascinating space to be in, um, you know, as we are in, as many refer to as the decade to deliver There's so much activity going on in, in the environmental and social realms and so much uh, challenges that need to be tackled. So I'm um, I'm very busy to say the least, but absolutely an important space as you know we help some of these big uh, conglomerates really transition to to be better businesses. So mm. I can't complain. Mm, it sounds like you're you've found your swim lane there, Wesley. But before you worked as a director at Accenture, we see you worked in the realm of organizational change, which is you know all part of transformation. How does that experience inform the work that you're doing now and this redesign to a more circular approach? How does that play out in the work that you do? It was, it was a while ago, uh, but I've always actually had quite an interest in the human elements of, of organizations. And, you know, really reflecting on it, I do think it's quite relevant to circularity because circularity is a mindset shift. Uh, it's not just a change to products and services or, or operations of businesses or policies. It's really critical to how we make the circular economy happen. In the, the circular economy handbook that you mentioned at the start that I co-wrote, we actually define culture and organization as one of the four key dimensions that's really critical for the, the circular transformation of businesses. You know, organizations must embed circular principles into the fab- fabric of, of companies to create truly circular businesses. It must be at the heart of an organization's purpose, their corporate and sustainability strategy, and be championed by leadership. And this top-down cultural approach must also be supported by the right organization structures, the right principles, the right processes, and even the right incentives so that this trickles down through the entire workforce 
And you have circularity, therefore, being championed across different functions, programs, and really embedded into how the organization and employees operate. So although it's not necessarily a, a transition I, I planned on and one that I thought would be relevant, it certainly is because I can't emphasize enough how important the culture and organization transition of the workforce is to the circular transition. Yes, mm. yeah. We definitely find that as well, um, Wesley. It was a real aha moment in our work as practitioners. If we linked purpose from top down all the way through to staff, mm-hmm. um, it became a really powerful to create, a, you know, driver to create circular transformation. And without it, it was almost like a waste management policy, right? Or the you know the poster on the wall that no one followed. But once you unlock that mindset and led it by purpose, you know, amazing things happened. So it's great to hear that, you know, you see that too in your work. Exactly. And I think it's really important for, for organizations of all types in the private sector and the public sector and beyond to really think about circularity as this transformational concept. As I, I mentioned at the start, it, it is holistic. And to not just think about it as, as something that's sustainability or environment, it really is something that needs to be integrated you know, across everything that that's done um, from from the workforce to initiatives and programs to functions and there's there's a role for everyone is what I would say in that in that transformation yeah mm. and so thinking back to when you were more more in the realm of organizational change and then into working within the circular economy was there a moment in that transition where you thought enough is enough things need to change and made that transition Yeah, I would say it wasn't, again, it wasn't intentional. I mean, I've always been passionate about, you know, the environment and and sustainability and and doing good. That's just kind of who I am. It's how I was was brought up to very, very much appreciate our our natural world and and everything that sustains us as, as humans and as a planet. But I think the key moment for me was I actually have to credit to to the book Cradle to Cradle, mm. uh, which was written by William McDonough and and Michael Brangart. And I I picked up this book, or actually I received it as a gift, as someone knew I was you know working in the sustainability or starting to get into the sustainability space. And I have to say, when I read that book, I thought, wow, this is so. This just makes so much sense. Like it's it's not necessarily just about doing environmental good, but it's just why are we not operating in this way? Uh, so that was probably, I would say, I guess in 2013, I suppose, 2013. So since then, I just said, you know, I have to, I have to focus my career here because this, this is just the way things need to be. I, I can't see it any other way now. Are you ready to transition your business from linear to circular? Whether you want to design out waste, reduce your emissions, or even explore the nature of your sustainability story, we're here to help. Let our circular innovation partners and design strategists guide you towards extraordinary innovative outcomes. Our circular projects tackle your biggest challenges, embed circular thinking into your organisation, connects you to solutions that exist and creates them when they don't. For the benefit of your business, customers, communities and stakeholders. To help build capability, unlock new value and co-design an extraordinary future together. Get in touch today and together let's redesign everything. Head to Circularity 
I'm just thinking about, I love your accent, Kiwis, we, we really like listening to other people's accents and often people say to us, we've got the accent, but we know that that's not true. So um, I just picking up on your accent, I wonder if, you know, where did you grow up? Can you share with us where you grew up and, and how that might have shaped your thinking, how you made, you know, it from there to where you are today in, in the UK? For sure, yeah. <laughs> I I always cringe when I hear my, my accent. And just a, yeah, a bit about my background. So I'm currently based in the UK. I've been here for, for 10 years uh, out, of, out of London, working with Accenture that whole time. And I have, uh, yeah, although I don't sound like a Londoner in, in a, and very British, I'm now officially a British citizen, which is exciting. Uh, but I, I did grow up in the, the States, um, in the East Coast, so outside of Boston, really cool city. Of course, I'm biased, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I grew up in a in a, a close to the city, but actually in a relatively rural area, um, or you know, a, a nice quiet suburban area. So I grew up, um, you know, riding horses. I grew up going outside for walks every day with my parents. I was lucky enough my, you know, my father he would finish work every day at two, and you know, take me for a walk. So basically, every single day I was outside in nature, climbing trees and. I really credit my parents for for giving me that that experience of just wanting to be so connected, you know, to to nature. So that really uh, was pivotal in you know what I wanted to do as I went went to school and so on. And then when I went into to university and then looking at my my first few roles, I really thought, where can I make the most impact? That's always been important to me. You know, I felt that being in the business space and working with large corporate businesses was an area where I could have a lot of impact because those businesses are responsible for thousands and thousands or millions of, of individuals and workforces and supply chains and, you know, selling so many of our products and services. So I thought, what better way to, to make a change than to go into some of these companies and really reposition what they do? So, Wesley, do you remember the first company or, or circular project that you ever worked on? What was the problem you were solving and how did you go about solving that problem? So, one of the first programs I worked on uh, was with actually a major um, fashion company and major retailer that was looking to identify ways to basically move their um, waste products, so their post-manufacturing textile waste, as well as their post-consumer waste, so, you know, full products, how they could really upcycle um, some of those waste materials and waste products. So a really tricky challenge, actually, because we looked across quite a number of categories and and different material types. But we tried to identify ways to, again, move away from, from landfill and incineration and find ways to ultimately upcycle those materials or products so that they could actually not just be recycled, but be put back into the system into higher value uses. So we identified a number of different channels, a number of different partnerships they could form to actually um, divert those, those materials and upcycle them, you know, which obviously brought uh, cost savings because they, they weren't, um, you know, having a cost for, for sending those to landfill, for example. It brought a lot of brand value because they formed some, some new and interesting partnerships. And of course, it, it helped divert volumes of, of wasted. So really interesting program. I, I couldn't say it was 
the the actual first one, but one of the the most exciting projects I did a, a few years ago that I still think very fondly of, um, you know, sitting in a room looking at all these different materials and, and trying to really find creative ways. I, I talked about that mindset shift. It was about finding creative ways to transform waste to value, which is ultimately what the circular economy is about. Mm. Mm. I love the way you describe those benefits, Wesley, in terms of building brand value you know, reducing environmental impact. It was going to go to to landfill or end up in the environment. Um, and also the economic savings. And, I, you know, I think that's that's part of these projects and the value of them to businesses, right? Mm. And interesting on that note as well, I'm, I'm always really keen to hear from a corporate's perspectives who may not have sustainability, for lack of a better word, or, or, or a circular approach baked into their DNA, when they come to you with their problem to solve, what the catalyst is for that? You know, is it because they're suffering mm. from brand risk? Is it because they are genuinely seeing something happening on their bottom line which may be affected? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and really an important one. Because I think one thing we always say in, in our work at Accenture is that organizations need to start circularity as within the right framing, right? So they have to see it as an opportunity for value capture, not just doing the good. Because if you don't do the good alongside uh, positioning for business success, it, it won't be sustainable. So the the starting point is, is often quite different depending on what company you're speaking to and what industry. For example, some industries right now are really driven by policy changes. So, you know, I'll give an example thinking about consumer goods or consumer packaged good companies and the, all the changes in regulation around the globe around plastics and packaging, you know, increased costs relate, related to that, for example, through things like extended producer responsibility, where others pressured by the, their customers or the customers of their customers. So if you think more upstream or midstream companies, they might not have the direct pressures now, but it could be that their customers or, again, the customers of their customers are asking the questions around you know, do they have sustainability and circularity embedded into the, the materials or the commodities that, that they provide? You know, others are seeing maybe their peers moving faster than they are and thinking, wait a second, we need to get on board with this before we, we fall behind. Or maybe we see other industries taking on this concept. So actually, we want to get ahead of the game in our industry. So I wouldn't say there's necessarily one, you know, one single reason or you know, uh, a, f- a few different, really, there's there's multiple reasons for, for all sorts of companies. But I think what's really exciting for me is that I think the depth of what companies are going to in, in the sustainability and circular space, as well as the breadth of what they're now looking at, is so much more advanced than even it was, you know, one or two years ago. It's, it's pretty phenomenal to see all the activity and all the the interest in in making a stand on this topic. So that's that's what keeps me going, uh, both in terms of of being busy, but also um, you know there's there's lots of work to be done. But there's there's definitely growing momentum, which is is really exciting. I can hear your enthusiasm for it, Wesley. I am enthusiastic. <laughs> <if> nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, when I looked through the, the Circular Economy Handbook, there was a, a quote that really jumped out for me about the 
the changes that take place in businesses who are exploring circularity. And it goes something like this, that the greatest opportunity for creativity and industry crossover occurs as each industry tries to figure out what it can and should take back into its value chain versus what it should divert for reuse. Can you share any insights into this and some examples you've worked on? I know you mentioned the textiles, but perhaps there are other areas that that relate to that quote. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that really touches on the the industry piece and seeing circularity from a number of different angles, but but really being a contributor to to business competitiveness. And it's a good point because our our research points out, you know, the circular economy is a a market opportunity worth upwards of of 4.5 trillion by 2030 globally. And we see a huge amount of, of value being lost across supply chains in our existing, you know, linear economic systems, financial value as well as social and environmental uh, value being lost. And, and there's really rewards for those that think creatively around different sorts of solutions, whether that be the, the big multinationals or disruptors, etc. And organizations that embrace circularity can spur innovation, they can enter more uh, new markets, they can transition to more resilient systems, which, as we know, in our current crisis is, is more important than ever. And change is happening, and companies of all sizes have a role to play in redesigning for circularity, although some will have more incremental transitions and others might have more transformational and disruptive transitions. It really depends on on industry. So to tap into that, that industry piece, I think it's important to acknowledge that circularity is applicable across industries and, and opportunities could include changes to the product itself, the production processes and consumption patterns. So that's what we see as, as typical across all industries. But actually, you know, navigating this shift and balancing these opportunities really depends on industry and company dynamics, like how ready is your consumer for the, the transition? What technological capabilities do you have? what is existing and needed infrastructure, uh, what energy and material inputs and outputs, uh, you know, go in and out of your value chain, as well as what are your your product portfolio attributes. Mm. So just to give a couple examples of that, I've worked with a mining company to look at circular economy of, of mines and how you can make mines more circular, as well as how you can think about the downstream impacts of recycled commodities and metals. So they're, they're looking at something quite different from, you know, the textile example. And then to give another example, I've worked with one of the biggest tech companies in the world looking at how can they bring digital to everything they do in the circular economy and, and as a part of their, their product and service portfolio, you know, build in circularity mm. to, those, to those products and services. So I could probably give a few more, but that just, you know, talks about the, the breadth of what's really there. It could be very operational. It varies quite a lot, but again, there's a lot of synergies and learnings that can be taken from one industry and one value chain uh, to another as well. Mm, and I think that's one of the most compelling things about circularity is that when you're talking to businesses or organisations that might want to take it on, the seeing that aha moment when they realise, wow, we're, our technological transformation is also going to hold up our circular transformation and vice versa and there's kind of positive sum games of, of, of doing both. Now more than ever, businesses are being forced to rethink how they operate. And Circularity is here to help. 
We run workshops that bring your organisation, industry or community together. You may wish to gain an introduction to the circular economy opportunity, have a masterclass on creative closed-loop systems for your materials, or think about how you can change behaviours, develop circular business models, or even explore potential impact territories for your brand. Our facilitators at Circularity design and deliver immersive experiences that defy convention and demand engagement. You find the time and we will make the most of it. We build capability, unlock new value and co-design an extraordinary future together. Reach out via our website, circularity.co.nz. You know, we talked a bit about industry crossover. We know the role of ecosystems is, is super critical in a circular economy because it's about liaising with all of those they might be competitors or collaborators with your suppliers, but also your customers in order to bring it to life. So we're really interested to kind of get your perspective on the role of ecosystems in the circular economy and also uh, sharing with us more about the one that you're part of with the World Economic Forum. Sure, absolutely. And you, you raise a really good point. There is quite a few number of important enablers for, for circularity, obviously, Technology is key. We really see that as one of the key enablers um, across the, the physical, the digital, and the biological realms. But as you pointed out, the role of, of ecosystems is, is really, really important. And we say that you know no company is an island or no organization is an island, and that true circular transformation can't be done alone. A lot of the challenges of circularity, they're so immense, but they're not challenges that you can just deal with as, as one organization, right, because it might impact infrastructure or might, you know, be in response to policy. So it, it really requires this whole system transformation and collaboration around shared values to drive that change. And organizations of all types need to find new ways to collaborate around the, the circular agenda. Um, and again, it's, it's about looking beyond your internal organization to your value chain and to forming you know, new partnerships with, I think you called out, you know, it could be customers, it could be suppliers, it could be industry peers. We're seeing a lot of, of that activity or cross-industry peers. It could be policymakers or investors. So you really have to interact in new ways up and down the value chain, left and right, top and bottom. I see it more as a a spider web, right? It's, it's, it's more than just, you know, harnessing what your, your business as usual approach is, but it's, it's looking for new partners that could include innovators and disruptors, looking at deploying new solutions that have really the potential to solve these, these big complex challenges. And then once you invest in, you know, new business models and capabilities, how do you measure that? How do you educate your shareholders and, and stakeholders on the value? So, it's a lot, right? That's um, not, no easy task. So that's why, as you called out, it's really important to work with a number of, you know, multilateral platforms to drive this change. And there's some great ones out there. For example, I work a lot with the, the platform for accelerating the circular economy referred to as PACE, which is a multilateral initiative that brings about public and private sector actors or brings together, rather, for, for global leadership and action. And it's an initiative run by the, the World Resource Institute now, but was, was started by the World Economic Forum with Accenture, actually. So that, that's a, a good platform for, for change. But I also, um, as you rightly pointed out, I've been working for a number of years with the, the World Economic Forum. So they've had a big role 
in embracing the circular economy as a key pillar against, you know, what they see as a critical topic for the environment, but also for for innovation and, and transformation. They, they're they undertaking a, a lot of really great activities, and Accenture's, a, you know, very lucky to be a part of, of that ecosystem as well as others, you know, because of the learnings that we can gain, the, you know, the network that we can bring together, but also importantly, the change that we can see happen, right, and the action that we can bring as a collective, which is, of course, better to do together than alone. We were absolutely thrilled to see you launch the circulars, and we were beyond thrilled when we found out a New Zealand business was selected, Mint Innovation. So, you know, very dear to our heart. And could you share why they were chosen specifically and maybe give us a little bit of information about, you know, what you saw in them and why they were chosen? Yeah, of course. And it's so great to have representation from New Zealand. We, <laughs> One of our goals with the, the Circular is that it was an awards initiative for five years. We had, you know, over 1,500 entries from 70 countries. And then this year really excited and and so pleased to see the great uh, momentum that we've had so far as it transitioned into an accelerator initiative. So really moving towards action and focusing on on supporting innovators. So we have 17 innovators on board from 200 applications from, I think it was over over 50 countries. And and Mint Innovation is is one of the, uh, the exciting 17. We had three categories. They applied to the category that we referred to as recovering value. I talked about moving from waste to value, so this is an important one. Uh, this category was open to solutions which close the loop <clears throat> on our existing you know, take-make-waste systems and really think about the, the end-of-use part of, of the value chain. Successful innovators in this category have established new ways for, you know, to enable product reuse, or recover embedded value from products such as energy, materials, minerals, and so on. Um, and the reason Mint was so interesting is because I think of the challenge they're tackling. So I'll get to what they do, but um, to set the context, you know, e-waste is a significant challenge in the circular economy space. I think it's something like 50 million tons of e-waste is generated each year, of which only 20% is recycled at best. And Mint is really interesting because they apply a highly innovative circular solution for this this growing problem of e-waste. And for those listeners that are unfamiliar with them, hopefully many are, but they are developing a low-cost, scalable process to recover valuable metals, such as gold, from e-waste streams, such as circuit boards from electronics and catalytic converters from cars. And their clean urban mining processes minimize waste and environmental impact while also enabling that full circular loop in in precious metals. So really, really exciting. And ultimately, they're chosen because they offer, you know, as I said, they're tackling a really big challenge and they have a highly scalable and impactful business model, which is, is unique and provides a tangible solution. So that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the usage of of, you know, the right business models, also companies that are really trailblazing, innovative, and having significant impact. So that's why they were chosen and super excited to to have them on board alongside the other 16. It's also awesome for, you know, here in New Zealand, trying to grow new entrepreneurs or people to tackle 
some of the problems associated with transitioning to uh, you know, a circular way of, of existing as an economy and as a society and having an example like Mint Innovation as homegrown is so helpful in doing that sets the aspirations pretty high. Um, but the other thing <laughs> yeah. that, that we talk about a lot is the balance of entrepreneurship versus big business. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's super important to, to, I guess, be transitioning at both ends and be innovating at both ends. And, you know, we know that you work with some of the biggest companies in the world and the biggest corporations. Are there any companies that we would recognise that are going through some of that real innovation yeah, I, I mean, I can't um, name names, unfortunately, uh, of, of particular companies, but I'll maybe give a couple examples of, of organizations that would be household names that are, um, you know, really leading on on the circular agenda. Mm. So one one that that sticks out quite a lot, and hopefully you've you've probably um, you know heard of, or you might you know own something from them, is is IKEA. Yeah, so IKEA obviously is a, a home furnishing. Um, company. Well, they provide all sorts of, of products in the in the retail space, and they're really interesting because they were one of the first companies to set a goal for 100% circularity. Uh, so they have a goal to be a fully circular company by 2030. They have been, you know, investing in this space for for a long time, probably the best part of the last decade. But setting that ambition is is really interesting because I I think although they've you know, looked across different business models in the circular space from, you know, the inputs that go into their products and the, the materials to uh, thinking about new business models, so offering furniture as a service, for example, or offering repair services or offering to take back furniture at, at end of use to looking at how it's, it's ultimately recovered. So they really are looking across the full value chain. It's, it's interesting because you know, that is a huge commitment, and I'm sure that there's a lot that they've not yet figured out that they will need to do in, in the next eight, nine years to reach that goal. Mm. So I think putting a stake in the ground is, is, pretty, um, is pretty remarkable, but it, it hopefully leads the, the way for, for others. And they're not the only ones now. Um, you know, H&M, so the, the global fashion company, they now have a goal to be 100% circular. There's a few other companies that have goals to have their product fully circular. So you're starting to see companies start to, to again, put a stake in the ground and have that leadership in, in their respective industries. At Circularity, we help businesses unlock the circular economy opportunity. We're driven by the belief that together we can create a thriving economy within our planetary boundaries. This podcast has been designed to connect a community of passionate changemakers on a mission to achieve this. We would so appreciate if you could review and share this podcast. The more ears who hear it, the faster we can initiate the change. For more information on what we do here at Circularity, head to circularity.co.nz. And just one other company I would call out because of the uh, the way they position circularity is is Philips. So mm. they provide um, you know healthcare um, um, systems, healthcare products. Uh, so you know kind of big machinery for hospitals and such, but also you know electronics that we might have in in our homes. So I think their positioning is interesting. And their CEO, Franz Van Houten, is super vocal on this topic. He's he's been one of the pioneers for a long time. They're interesting because they tie their revenues to circularity. So they actually have a goal in uh, by 2025, I believe, to have 25% of their revenues from from circular 
products and services. So that's a great example of what I mentioned earlier about how circular is, is not just about environmental good, but it's also about repositioning for competitiveness and really thinking about circularity as a topic for, you know, growth and, and innovation. So I think those companies are, are great examples of organizations really investing in, in new ways of doing business and innovating um, and, and really transitioning the core of what they do as well. I actually did a radio interview quite a few years ago now, Wesley, and one of the first examples I ever shared about circular economy was the Philips one when they sold lighting as a service. And just that yeah. concept, like, just, you know, blows everyone's mind as soon as they hear it because there's just so much truth to it. We don't buy light bulbs, we buy light, you know, and so why are we paying for the light bulb and why are we in charge of the care of the light bulbs and we just want light? It's such a great disruptive thought and a great service. And I see they've gone on to do big commercial projects with lighting as a service. It's been a really successful program for them. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely one of the staple examples that you, you hear still now, um, although it's been around for a while. So it's no longer actually a, a part of the same business. It's a, a spinoff called Signify, yes, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the whole as-a-service business model is really interesting because it, it's really about, as you say, you don't need the product itself. You just need the function of, of that product. So it's really, therefore, incentivizing businesses to produce higher quality products, right? Because if they own the product and sell it as a service, they want it to last longer. They want it to go through multiple uses. They might want it to be repaired easier. So it's inherently building circularity, although that's not always the case, but it is building in circularity from the get-go and complex, I would say, because it requires rethinking about how your your balance sheets work. For example, you, you're ho- holding on to assets for, for longer. So there are some implications and some complexities, but ultimately it's a lot of benefits because you're building longer relationships with your customers. So it's not just a one-time sale. It's an ongoing relationship, which I think has a lot of, of benefits that can last, obviously, for, for a very long time. Interesting. Something, something that we're quite conscious of. We talk to clients about being conscious of and something that is becoming really, really apparent in Europe and other areas of the world that are leading in the circular economy space is really around the regulatory changes that have become game changers. And that's something we talk about is, you know, what are those kind of headwinds? And we're really keen to hear your thoughts on the progress that they're making there and what the real impact it's having on business and how corporations are perhaps being forced to change faster than they may have otherwise. Yeah, that's a great question because policy is, you know, in addition to thinking about the ecosystem and different partners and so on, you know, there's also the important elements of, of policy and the investor landscape, et cetera. And I think policy is one of the major drivers for a lot of organizations right now, not just the policies that have been enacted, but those that are coming, right? So uh, policy is changing quite rapidly in this space. The leading region for, for circular policy is the, the European Union with the what's referred to as the Circular Economy Action Plan, which is a part of the Green Deal. So that's a really interesting piece if, if you have a, a chance to look into the different dimensions of, of the action plan. Because it's it's not only looking across different, you know, industry clusters and, and different themes, but also looking across different parts of the, the value chain. I keep bringing this up, but it's so important that the circular is not just about waste at the end of use, but it's really about all the different elements of the value chain and how we, we create change. 
So, you know, there's things uh, like the design directive, you know, rights to repair, et cetera. Uh, and it's, it's probably the most comprehensive piece out there. So that's probably why we'll see a lot more movement. We have seen a lot more movement in Europe than in, in other geographies. But I would say there is activity everywhere um, in every region across the globe. We've actually done some, some analysis and some digging into to what that looks like. And it is, it is different. Um, in different geographies, but the the changes are there. I would say for the moment, the the impact is more substantial for organizations in, in consumer domains, right? So those that produce the products that ultimately go to the consumers, you know, so uh, electronics companies, or I mentioned um, consumer packaged good companies, they're feeling a lot of policy pressure because of the plastics and packaging push. So that's a major one, mm. probably more so than, than most other industries. Um, but ultimately, that will trickle back up the value chain and, and, and impact upstream industries. But for the moment, those, those that touch the consumer are, are more heavily impacted. But it's certainly something in a lot when we speak to all sorts of organizations, one of the first things they want to know is, what are the policy impacts now that we might not be thinking about fully and what are those that we could expect? Because most businesses these days, they are going to have some, you know, global footprint, whether it be where they operate or where they sell their products and services. So even though they might not be in that particular geography as their headquarters, it could be the case that their customers, you know, or their suppliers or other, other members of their value chain are, are impacted by those policies. At Circularity, we help businesses unlock the circular economy opportunity. We're driven by the belief that together we can create a thriving economy within our planetary boundaries. This podcast has been designed to connect a community of passionate changemakers on a mission to achieve this. We would so appreciate if you could review and share this podcast. The more ears who hear it, the faster we can initiate the change. For more information on what we do here at Circularity, head to circularity.co.nz. And, and looking even to the, the other end of the value chain, I guess, with, with consumers, you know, so many of people just that we know in our lives, uh, customers, many of our listeners too, they want to see and be a part of the change, right? But the whole policy arena is very abstract to them. And that's why it is so cool to see that you've created the Uplink program. Because having that digital crowd engagement, I think, solves a really big problem in fixing the system. So we'd love to hear more about that Uplink program that you've created with the World Economic Forum. So we're, we're super excited this year to partner with the forum as, as a part of the circulars on, on Uplink. And what is Uplink? So as, you, as you called out, it's a crowdsourced social environmental innovation platform that connects really into the UN. Um, global goals, so the 17 global goals. And for the first time, we're providing this virtual home for our circulars community where, you know, where different sorts of players can, can interact, spread ideas, get help with challenges, uh, collaborate to, to think about driving applied innovation at, at speed and scale. So it's, it's a place that actually um, anyone can sign up for. Uh, you have to have probably a, a good idea to, to enter the platform, but it's absolutely open to, to the broader, broader community to interact with. And we're already seeing on the platform, it's only launched just a, a few weeks ago, 
but we're already seeing the community start to grow uh, and some synergies on the platform of different individuals and organizations connecting to collaborate or advise each other around those, those shared barriers to scale. So if anyone would like to know more, you can definitely sign up. You just have to create a profile again, talk about why you're, you're interested in joining and, and what you do and how it's applicable to, to your day-to-day. And you can be a part of this, this meaningful and growing community of, as I said, real change makers. So it's at its uh, inception, really, only, only launching last month, but it's absolutely going to be something that, that grows. And, you know, with the power of the forum, right, the World Economic Forum is probably the leading, um, you know, multilateral platform. So the exposure and the collaborate, you know, the connections and collaborations they bring are absolutely, you know, pivotal to helping accelerate it further. So hopefully I'll share that link with you and hopefully um, individuals can can take a look. Yes, please. That would be awesome. Mm, we'll pop it in the show notes and we might join ourselves. Yeah. yeah you, might, do, you might see our, our, our names pop up there, Wesley. You can... Uh, Elevate them or push them to the side, depending <laughs> on what you want to do. Put them on no, some I'd, some big I'd problem. Love that. <laughs> I love that. We need we need more more uh, more individuals joining in from New Zealand. Hey, the, we've reached that part of the podcast where we like to flip the question. So I wonder, what question do you have for us, Wesley? Building off the last comment we just had there, I'd love to know what your plans are and what you see happening in New Zealand. You know, around circularity and how you see that that changing and what role you're going to have in that change. Oh, thanks, Wesley. I mean, it's a real honour to be able to answer that question of uh, of yourself. In New Zealand, we are currently working with a new breed of businesses who are rising up to address these challenges of business as usual. And they are really driven to seek a better reality for the next generation beyond them to create a legacy using these circular practices. And they know that it will ultimately deliver better outcomes for their businesses, the planet, and also answer customer expectations. But it certainly isn't easy. It's not easy here in this country to make this stuff happen. Um, There's a real lack of infrastructure. There's a real lack of funding. And it's being largely driven by businesses. The role we play in that space is to help them make the shift from this linear world to a circular, whether that's across their supply chains, their products or their industries. And largely it is about building their capability in this space um, to help them map their systems and the data flows of materials as they move through their supply chains, but also help them design new ways of operating without the waste and realise new value in their business across their communities, stakeholders and staff. For a number of businesses that we work with, they're not actually aware of the living systems that they're operating within and how they are uh, faring and monitoring within that business, you know, whether it's the fresh water beside them or the mountain that they operate in or the airflow. So helping them understand that is really key. But for many of these projects, as I mentioned, there's heaps of challenges that we've faced. I mentioned we lack the policy and the infrastructure that would enable great change at a systems level, but it's really not stopping these businesses making the change. We do hope that we will see the policies, such as what's happening in the European Economic Action Plan with the 54 actions that I'm sure you were part of, Wesley, um, to help support these businesses and move forward. Behind the scenes, these wheels are turning, but they're turning a bit slowly. With the Climate Commission's recent report, they declared that 
that we did need a redesign of what we buy, what we do with what we use, and how we reuse more of what's left over, stating that our vision for the future in Aotearoa is a circular economy and generates really little waste. So our hope is, is that with this report, it ignites huge amounts of action to, to do this, to shift in this way. So that's, that's what we see the future of Aotearoa and, and hopefully the role that we can play in making this change. Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly a a big a big complex <laughs> challenge to tackle, but it sounds like there's really good momentum and and the right sort of of thinking. And of course, you're you're flying the flag, so that's um, that's really exciting. And I, I love how you talked about you know the link to to climate as well, because we didn't have time today. But I think the link between between climate and circular is so significant, right? So I think the the stat that I love to refer to by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation is is only 50% of greenhouse gas emissions is is actually solved for through the the energy transition. The other 50% is is down to how we produce and consume our re, our products and services and our resources. So uh, you know having that that interconnection is critical. So it's exciting. I look forward to hearing about all the progress you continue to make and and see more, you know, businesses and and innovators from New Zealand really embracing circularity and and taking a taking a role on the global stage as well. Mm. We always ask this question because I think it's really important that if you could inspire other change makers out there by giving them one piece of advice, something that really helped you, what would you want them to know? I think the biggest thing when looking at something as transformational as, as a circular economy is can be quite overwhelming. <laughs> so I think my main piece of advice for, you know, for individuals or, or, or businesses is just to get started. So to, to take your first step, think about where your biggest challenges are related to, to waste, but also where the biggest opportunities might be for, for capturing value from that. So it's it's about really understanding the the value and prioritizing based on that value, but ultimately just get going because there's going to be complexities. There's a lot of hurdles to tackle, and you'll learn along the way. So it's it's important to get going, and and you know the time is now. We we're saying that again and again. The time for action is now. If we are to you know reach our our global goals, um, which right now we're very off track for. So the more um, that people can get involved and organizations can get involved, the better. So if you can get moving and, and you know, get involved, it's, it's a really exciting space. And it's only going to, to hit you later on if, if you're not um, thinking about it now. Mm, fantastic advice. Wesley, thank you so much for joining us on the redesign of everything. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Um, there are so many good insights that you've shared with our listeners and I'd love the opportunity to come back and, and regroup and share some more New Zealand innovations with you further down the track um, and join the Uplink program. We'll see you on there. Absolutely. I really look forward to that. And thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been really great to speak and share our passion on this topic. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. And a big thank you to our fantastic team producing the redesign of everything. For more information about Circularity, the work that we do and how we can help your organisation, head to circularity.co.nz or find us on our social media channels listed in the show notes. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. And until next time, let's redesign everything.